We reached about 800 people yesterday. Um, all the area churches joined together. If you don't know what Love Denver is, all the area churches, uh, churches joined together um, and just spent a few minutes just sharing the love of Christ and giving away book bags and medical care and haircuts and all kinds of things. And it's just a, it's just a crazy, awesome thing. And I was pumped to see everybody out there. And now, just for a second to brag on us, all right, just because I think that that's cool to do that at times. Um, the head of the guy, the, the, the leader of Love Denver came up to us and said that uh, we were uh, the majority of the volunteers yesterday at Love Denver, which was an awesome, awesome thing. I just thought that was incredible. It just made me proud of you guys. And I met some people that's been coming to the church that I haven't got to meet before. One, one lady, I, don't, I hope that she's here. If we sit down, I was going to sit down and pray with her and her kids and just talk to her. And she said, hey, Pastor Jordan, I've been coming there for the last few months. I was like, well, hey, what's up? And so we... We hung out. It was a really cool thing. So we got to meet some new people. It was just awesome. If you missed it, um, you missed it. So it was just an awesome thing. And uh, you got 12 months. Uh, hopefully God will forgive you. And then you can be there next year. Um, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. So uh, also, I'm going to go ahead and say, so last, last week we, we, we started a series called Origins. And it's something I've been uh, prepping for a long long time for. And, um, and I'm just, and this doesn't happen a lot. In fact, I think this is the first time that I've ever done this. Um, but I think that I missed the timing on that one. And we started that last week and, uh, and I just did not. Uh, and as soon as I started preaching it on stage, I just felt like I felt like I had missed it. I felt like this was something we needed to do later. Um, and the more I prayed about it this week, the more I felt like that. So instead of getting up here and preaching for five weeks out of my pride, so I didn't have to stand up here in front of you guys and say that I made a mistake, I thought that we would just do the God thing and just go where the spirit was leading. And uh, I hope that that's okay with you guys. And so if, um, if you're here because of Origins um, and you want to leave, I'm going to pray and that'll be your point to take off. <laughs> and no judgment whatsoever. All right. We, try, we, we, we time our services. You can make it to some of the later services at the other churches as long as you're in church today. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and then, and then you can leave. And uh, we love you. No, I'm just kidding. Hope you don't leave. Hope you stay anyway. I think God's got a big plan for today. So if you guys will just pray with me. Father God, I just want to thank you so much, Lord. I just want to thank you for all the things that, uh, that you are doing in this house, God. Just all the things. Just your presence, God. Just uh, hearing the people worship, Father, and just seeing the hands raised, God. I, I pray, Lord, that today, Father, that this is just not a normal Sunday, Father. I just feel like you have a, a unique plan today, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just let your spirit rest with us, God. Don't let there be an ounce of me up here, God. Just let it be all you, Father. I pray, Lord, that your word is just preached with power this morning and authority. I pray, Lord, that Christ is just lifted high in your holy in your presence. In your precious name, amen. So one of the things, you're talking about being a failure, um, you know, that's kind of a hard thing to do. You know what I mean? That's kind of a hard thing to do, stand up here and, um, and you know, and say, hey, listen, guys, you know, I messed up. You know, I screwed up. Um, I felt like maybe I missed it. That's a, that's a tough thing to do. And I think sometimes in the, in, the, in the church, we make it very, 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 very difficult. Well, in society in general, but in the church especially, we make it very, very, very difficult uh, for people to mess up. We make it, uh, we make it difficult for people to struggle. Right? We make it different, uh, difficult for people to have uh, issues, especially when it comes to faith. Right? Because I, I think that we, a lot of our leaders, uh, when it comes to faith and, and it comes to struggles and it comes to sin, I think a lot of times Christian leaders, um, we, have, we, we put, kind of put forth this image like we don't struggle. We kind of put forth this image like uh, not only do we not struggle, um, but that struggling is kind of a thing of the past. Like we, we got over that. We got over that struggling part. Like, yeah, we used to have some struggles in our marriage, but we really don't anymore. You know, we, we used to have some faith issues and some faith failures, but we really don't anymore. You know, we, we, used to, we used to struggle with some of the stuff, but we don't really more. We, we put up this image. And so what happens is whether we even talk about that or not talk about it, as, as leaders tend to put up images, whatever the leader kind of portrays, whether it's ever actually said or talked about, people try to catch on to that. Does that make sense? And so a lot of times what we've done in the church, and culture does this too. Culture will crucify you just as much as the church will, but the church, we're, we're, we're just very good at it. We're very good at when, when people have struggles or when people have doubts or people have faith issues or people are questioning maybe something they don't understand in scripture. We're very, very, very quick to judge. And, and we put up this front like there's no process in faith. Like you either have faith or you don't have faith. Does that make sense? Like, like when you put your faith in Jesus, like that's the amount of faith that you have. There is no more faith to gain. That's the faith that you have. And so if you hear that and you think that, and that's part of your theology and that's part of your doctrine, that either you have faith or you don't have faith. When you have faith or you think that you have faith and you put your trust in Jesus, that when you have faith struggles, uh, you kind of come to this place to where, well, maybe I don't have faith because either if you have faith or you don't have faith and there's no process of faith, then when you have those doubts or you have those uh, deals and you start to question even that initial faith that you had in Jesus, 
Right? Or am I the only one that does that? Right? We, we, we get to this place where it's like, like as we kind of go through our walk with God or, or we, we start trying to read scripture or we start trying to learn something or God starts doing something new in our life. A lot of times for me and this man, I may be the only one in the room that feels like this, but a lot of times I feel like so many times I get to a place to where it's like I almost get to like the end of my faith. I almost get to the point to where it's like I'm about to run out of faith. Like, like, okay, God, I've trusted you for this, and I've trusted you for this, but now you're asking me to do this, and I don't know that I can do that, or I don't know that I can go that far. I, you know, I kind of believe this, and I believe this, and I believe this, but now you're asking me to believe this, and I just don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I have full understanding of that. I don't know if I get that yet. And so it's a lot of times we get to that place, and we get to that place to where we, we start to question our faith in Christ. We start to question uh, uh, the idea of faith, of what faith, how faith works, and we become doubters. Right, and we can't really bring it up in church because people don't have faith problems in church. Right? And we can't really talk about it. And I can't, I can't really like come up to you guys, you know what? I mean, just imagine. I mean, just, just imagine if I walked up on stage, you know what? Yeah. On Tuesday, I had some coffee and I contemplated the existence of God. Now I just don't know. What if I said that? Just for fun. Well, just to see what happens. If I walked up on stage and I was like, yeah, man, I got done playing some basketball the other day, and I was just thinking, you know, maybe, maybe Jesus. Maybe he didn't do all those miracles. Because I've never seen anybody do any miracles like that. Maybe, you know, maybe, 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 maybe it's just a, an analogy. Maybe it's just, maybe Jesus existed. You know, I feel like he was real, but you know, but maybe he didn't do all the things. Maybe, maybe, maybe the disciples just kind of made it up because nobody was really believing them. Maybe that happened. You ever thought that? Don't lie. Getting to the origin series. You ever read through Genesis? I'm just being honest. You ever read through Genesis? And you're just like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. It's taken them 10 years to build this Chick-fil-A down here. <laughs> and God snapped his finger and the universe was created. I just, I'm not sure I can buy that. If anybody knows the owner of the Chick-fil-A, relay a message for me. Hurry up. I'm tired of driving all the way to Mountain Island which I do on a regular basis. Right, I mean, you read through, the, you read through the, and, you, and, you, and then you got there, and then while we're on the origins thing, well, you got people in school, you know, they're, they're teaching something a lot of times that maybe even contradicts the things that you're going through, the things that you're thinking. And they say some pretty big statements, even though if I were to preach the origin series, I would say to you that most of those statements don't have any assumption. They're just made up a lot of big of assumptions. That's a different story. I said I wouldn't preach it, so I'm not going to. But they say a bunch of random junk. And you're like, well, I mean, that, I was kind of thinking the same thing when I looked through that. But you can't tell anybody that. You can't, you, can't come, you can't come to your pastor. You can come to me, but you can't come to most pastors and just be like, yeah, it was a great message on Sunday. I'm not sure if I believed it. See you next week. <laughs> and then when God's getting you to do stuff, and, th and this is a big one. This is a big one, too, because, like, if you, especially if you're an unbeliever, right, and, and you were watching any amount of Christian TV in the late 90s, you noticed a pattern on TV. Every preacher wanted your money, right? All, they all wanted your money. And if you sent them a check for $1,000, God would send you a check with a mansion inside of it, right? If you wanted a new Mercedes, just shoot him a $100 bill, and God will give you one. And so then, especially if you didn't grow up in church and you didn't have a good foundation, and you're starting to look at that, and you're starting to think, well, this whole religion thing's just a big crock. They're just after my money. And so somebody tricks you into coming to Harvest Cove, and there's this young, dumb preacher up here that's preaching some messages, and you decide to hang out for a while. And then I start preaching a message on tithing, and we start talking about giving, and you're like, oh, there it is. I told you. <laughs> he avoids it for like 11 months out of the year, and then he brings it up. Right when we think he's not going to talk about it, he's going to talk about it, and he's going to make me give him his money, and I'm not going to do it. And you get to that point where you're like, well, I kind of buy the God thing, and I kind of buy the Jesus thing, but now you're talking about me giving you my money, and I just don't know if I'm there yet. I just don't know if I'm thinking about it. You know what's funny to me? People will bring their kids, drop them off in there, let us brainwash them for an hour and a half, but they won't give the church any money because they don't trust it. <laughs> think about that logic. Take my kids for two hours, teach them anything you want, but I'm not giving you a dime because I don't trust you. Think about that. Nobody ever talks about that, but that's like the truth. Right? But you can't, you can't, it's hard to say, it's hard to come on you say like, because why? What happens in all these different areas? You kind of come to the end of your trust in Jesus, right? 
What happens like if you, if, if, you, if you weren't in church and you were in a relationship and maybe you're living together with somebody and you've got your whole life set up and you're not married and you're doing some things that, that you know that you do when you live together and, and then all of a sudden you're sitting in here one day and I do a series like the Pursuit series or, or the Bringing Sexy Back series and I start saying, hey guys, you know, living together is just not a good thing and, and it's, it's kind of a sin and having sex before marriage is kind of a sin and, and I really think that if you're going to really follow Christ and you really need to think about how to remedy that in your life. And you're sitting there and you're going, okay, listen, I was cool with coming to church on Sundays. I was cool giving up a few hours on Sundays to get over there. And, and you know, and I even kind of dug the music. And the other week I raised my hand, but now he wants me to quit doing the only thing that guys think about all day long, every day. Sex. Right? He went, I mean, that's just been a part of your life. And we, that's a, I mean, that's a huge step. See, pastors, I think that we get up here and we just say a bunch of random crap sometimes. And we don't think about what it is for the person that they're going through. Like if you didn't grow up in church and nobody was, and you didn't know, and you don't even know the wisdom and, and, and the things behind it, and then we just say things like that, and then God's beginning to lead you to do something, and you've got to come to this place where you kind of trusted Jesus up to a certain extent, and you had your faith in Christ up to a certain extent, but now he's leading you to do something you haven't done before, now he's leading you to think a way you haven't thought before, he's leading you to do something, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself questioning, or you find yourself doubting, you find yourself at the end of your faith, Right? So I'm just the only one then? Okay. See, the problem is, is, is I know that that's something that you deal with. I know it is. I know that, I know that it is. I know that you come to places and I know that you get in arenas in your life and situations in your life and circumstances in your life when your trust of Jesus and the amount that you trust Jesus comes to an end. Because we don't trust people all the same way. There's people that you trust different than other people. Do you know what I mean? Right? There's some people when, when their, their mouth is doing this. Right? And I'm just like, lie, 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 lie. Oh, I'm going to get this done for you. No, you won't. Probably never. Right? I'm going to start this. I'm going to do this. No, I'm not. You know, you've, we've done this. About, it's about, there's some people every three months, and maybe you're one, every three months they come in, they're like, God told me to do this, and I'm going to commit my whole life to it. And, and the next week, you're like, how's that thing going? What thing? Right? You trust people different, man. There's people in my family that I trust with the, the, the deepest, darkest part of my life. And then there's some people that I wouldn't even, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, I would lie to you just to avoid telling you the truth. Think about that. And so my thing is, is that when, when, when you put your faith in Christ, when I call this the faith delusion, because people, people, I've heard that people preach this. When you put your faith in Christ and you, and, you may, and you believe that Jesus, and by the way, when you put your faith in Christ, it means that you're saying, I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And I believe that he, he died on the cross the way that he said he died on the cross, and I believe that he was resurrected from the dead. I think he did all of that for my sins so that I could be in a relationship with him. That's what's putting your faith in Christ. But what, I want, what people try to preach is that when you put your faith in Christ at the beginning of that, pro, that it's not a process, that that's it. And then and, and you have all the faith in the whole world and that there's never a moment of doubting and there's nothing growing. Here's the problem with that is, is why does Jesus and Paul and Peter and they all talk about being in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ if, if the full extent is what it is at the very beginning, you can't get any more than that. Have you ever thought about people? Because people just say, like, have you, are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? What the heck does that mean? Have you grown lately? Like gotten bigger? Yeah, I've been eating pizza and I've been working out as much. More room for Jesus to be inside. <laughs> right? You think people are growing? What do you grow in Christ? What, what does it mean? Is it knowledge? Is it understanding? Right? The enemy, and this is cliche, and I usually hate when people say it, but I'm going to say, people, the devil knows the word of God back and forth. He uses it in his conversation with Jesus multiple times. All right, so, and, and I would, I just, it doesn't explicitly say this, but I think that I'm all right to make the assumption that the devil is not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But he's got all the knowledge in the world about who he is. He's got all the understanding of who he is. In fact, there's a couple times that, that Paul just point blank says, listen, knowledge without a few things is worthless. One of those things is faith. Right? So here's the thing that I want you to understand is that when we say a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, it's all about faith. And faith is simply the trust that you have in Jesus, the trust that you have in, in, in who he is. And when you, but like when I was 16 and I put my trust in Christ, I trust him different today than I did when I was 16. I believe in him different today than I did when I was 16. I have a different type of faith and more faith in him now than I did when I was 16 years old and I first started my walk with Jesus. Does that make sense? So it's a process. 
It's a process. And, and the trust that you have in Jesus here is going to be, should be different than what you have uh, six months from now and a year from now. And this is the thing where people get super confused about is how does that faith expand? If that's what it's all about, how does that faith expand? How does that faith grow? How does your faith grow in Christ? What, what are the things that you can do? And besides reading the Bible and praying, which is the cliche answers, and they're true, but besides that, because, because like I, I, I try to preach on praying and, and reading the Bible all the time because I think those are two things that you absolutely need to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. And I think that if you don't have it, you're like, you're like limping way behind. You'll probably never be able to, to get to that place. But, but even besides that, what, what are ways that you grow in your faith? Have you ever thought about that? What are ways that, that your trust is expanded, that your faith is expanded? Because what if I told you that, that you will never be able to grow in Christ if you don't come to the, the end of your faith from time to time? Because a lot of people, we have these doubts. We have these doubts about the Word of God. We have these doubts about things that are God's calling us to do. We have these doubts about things that the preacher says. We have these doubts about uh, the will of God. We have these doubts, and, and we get to that end of our faith in Christ, that end of our trust in Christ. We, we trust Him with all of this, but then we get to the end with whatever that is. What if I told you that that is precisely, precisely where God wants you most of the time, right at the end of your faith? And this is a process, and I'm, I'm going to go through this real fast. If you've grown up in church, or you've been hanging around, I don't know, for a couple days, or you've been listening to any messages ever, you've probably heard the story of Jesus walking on water. And not to criticize other preachers, but we, they, they take, uh, and I've done this, so I can criticize myself. We, we take one or two things, and we get all excited about it, and we forget to read the whole thing. And so we start saying uh, uh, randomness because it sounds good or because we've heard it before, but it's not really the context of it. So I'm going I'm to read this, this story because within this story, this isn't about really Peter, and it's not really about Jesus walking on water. There is a very intentional purpose behind this, this set of scriptures, and I think that it will really help you. I think that if we can engage in this, I think that it will really help you get to a different level in Christ. I think that it's one, these are one of those, one of those messages that, that nothing dramatic is going to change today. But I think that if you can capture this and you can understand this and you can see this at work in your life, it will ultimately change your life and take you to a different level in Jesus. So this starts in Matthew 14, and what's cool about this, uh, th this story is that it's in all four of the Gospels, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and they all take a little bit different approach to it, focus in on different things, and it's just really cool, but uh, I, I just want to read this from the very beginning. If you guys, and I want you to follow with me. If you have your Bibles, if you have your phone, and you can download our app, it's on there. I really want you guys to kind of read through this with me real fast. This is Matthew 14, starting with verse 22, uh, and it says this. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples... Get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, I want you to understand immediately. I didn't really think about this until I was studying this the other week. You don't ever do anything immediately for no reason. Have you ever been like, immediately, I just ran outside? Why? I don't know. I, didn't. I just did Immediately, I punched the guy in the face. Why? It just happened. Every time you do anything immediately, there's something that, that happens. There's a reason for it. Like immediately, uh, just the other day, I somersaulted across my living room because Aubrey's invented this new game called Climb Up On It and Jump Off Of It. Right? And so if you, if you look away, and it takes about 2.9 seconds for her to be on top of the table. And I, I don't know if she's a superhero uh, I, I haven't quite seen the ascent yet, but multiple times we just turn around and she's just been standing on something. And so I immediately jumped across the coffee table all day and picked her up off, uh, off the, uh, the uh, she, she climbed, okay, so this is, I didn't see her do this, this is my only logic, because I know that she can't fly, like I'm pretty sure. And so she's on the ground over here, about five feet away from, from the, the moment. And I turn around and then she's standing, she's on the side of the couch, standing up like up on, the, up on the arm of the couch. And so I'm thinking that there's this little green dinosaur. I'm thinking that she climbed up on the little green dinosaur and then stepped up onto her new little uh, cookie. She has a little kitchen now and then made her way up. That's the only, it's that or flying. So I just assumed that that was how she got up there. But it scared me so bad and I just immediately jumped across the room. My point is, you don't do anything immediately for no reason. So sometimes I think when we read the Bible, we really don't read the Bible. We just kind of immediately, Jesus made the disciples, get into the boat, okay. 
right? Something happened is my point. Does that make sense? Something happened right before this. And right before this is the loaves and the fish. This is one of those things that you might not believe. This is the loaves and the fish. And so Jesus is preaching on the side of it. And thousands of people came to hear him preach. You know, thousands of people come hear me preach too if I raise somebody from the dead. But they were sitting over there. He's preaching. All these people are coming to hear this man who's been healing the sick and doing this thing. And all of a sudden, they're getting super hungry. They've been out there for days. And the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, hey, you need to send them away for a few days. Let them go get some food. Or they literally are going to starve to death. And Jesus said, you know what? No, I think I got this covered. And so he said, just bring me uh, what we have. So they brought him some, uh, some bread and some, some loaves and some fish. And then Jesus uh, just started, you know, doing the whole God thing and ripping everything up into pieces and then put them in baskets and hand them out. They wound up feeding 5,000 people. All right. So that's a pretty cool deal. That's a pretty cool trick, a little magic trick. And so right after this happens, something happened in that process. Something happened in that process because it says immediately after he did this, immediately after that was over, he told them, he said, I'm going to dismiss the crowds and you go ahead and go over there. So something happened. We'll talk about it in a later because God lets us know God's cool like that. But something happened right here that made Jesus get it. And to me, like, I just feel like this is one of the situations like when I was a kid and I did something, I didn't know that I did it. And my dad was like, just leave. I'll take care of it. Just, I'll clean it up. Like, which is pretty much how most of my days ended. Just, <laughs> just go upstairs. Don't come down till tomorrow. All right, Dad. I'm just kidding. That only happened like every day. So <laughs> we get to this point, and, and, and they get into the boat, and, they, and I want you to understand this. And this is a really, really, you think, man, this is, you're, you're counting the scriptures, and like if he spends this long on each scripture, we're never going to make it to lunch. And you probably won't. But this is, the, I want you to understand the, the meat of this. So there, Jesus is, one of my point is that Jesus is in the process of doing something on purpose. All right, he's in the process. He's, he's in control of whatever comes next. Jesus knows that he's in control of it. Does that make sense? He, he, he's on it. So it says this. It just says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed, the, uh, dismissed them, he went up uh, on the mountainside by himself to pray. Jesus needs to pray. You need to pray. Different message for a different day. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, goes and prays. I don't know why you don't think you don't need to pray. Pray. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, uh, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So I want you to understand this. And just a little geography lesson real fast. The, the little lake is kind of like Lake Norman, all right? It's not like a big roaring ocean or a big roaring sea. It's just something, it's just kind of small. There's, there's about the, the, where they were uh, at its longest point was about five miles across. That was it. So they should have been able to make this uh, in about an hour because they were experienced, uh, I don't know, rosemen. I don't know what you call it, you know, boatsmen, boat people. So they were in the boat. This was something that was everyday part of their life. Uh, they were in shape is my point. They, this is not something unnormal for them. And they're, they're rowing across. They should have been able to make this in about an hour. And what we learned about this, it goes through the same story. And John, John says it was about uh, right before dawn. It was about, they had only gone about three or four miles and it had been hours from when they set off. And so uh, they had gotten out uh, when the storm after Jesus said immediately, just go away. I'll dismiss. I'll take care of this. Jesus goes up on the mountainside to pray and they get in the boat. And then all of a sudden wind uh, comes against them. There's this storm. Uh, the waves are buffeting. That word buffeting, it literally means like it's the same word that they use um, when, when uh, they talk about spiritual attack, FYI. And so there is, there's, what it is is that they're trying to go somewhere and the waves and the wind are coming right at them and they can't go anywhere. So I want you just to put yourself just for a minute, use your imagination, hop in the boat with, with Peter and John and the rest of the disciples. And, and I want you to think about the last time, and I know some of you would have to think way back, but I want you to think about the last time like you worked out or the last time you were like out of breath. All right, the last time that you, you got to the end. And I don't, I don't know, some people started laughing. So like I took about 30 days off from working out. I like to work out, working out as part of my life, but I took about 30 days off. And just the other day, uh, we started back. And Joseph and I, we, we got back and we were going to do this workout. And so we sit down, we were going to tackle it. It was only three rounds and we were going to do this thing and we were going to kill it. Um, we got about two rounds in. Uh, he was on the ground breathing. Uh, and I, I don't know, like you almost had a heart attack, I feel like. And, and, and I was like trying to play it off. Like, like I was okay because uh, he wasn't looking at me. But every time he turned his head, I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. It's what happened when pride takes over in the gym. And so we got to the point. Joseph was like, I just got, I got to sit down. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, don't, I didn't want to make him feel bad. So I was like, okay, I'll sit down too. And, um, and so the truth is, my, I thought my heart was coming out of my chest. All right, that was what was happening. I was so out of shape. And, and we, it just killed us, man. And, 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 and just, just for the record, is your leg still hurt? Yeah. So like, honest to God. Like I was walking. And even yesterday at Love Denver, multiple people were like, is something wrong with your legs? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> 
I, and, and right now, I'm trying to play it off. No, like, okay, well, I'm on this. It means nothing to the message. We're laying in bed the other night, and, and my legs were so painful. When Courtney, Courtney likes to cuddle. She's a little cuddler. She gets in the bed, and she comes up to cuddle against me, and she worms her knee like a rhinoceros into the side of my leg. All right. I scream at the top of my lungs, which scares her, which causes her to jab me about five more times, which meant I screamed about five more times. And then she was like, why are you screaming? And I didn't even care. Like, I know it wasn't her fault, but I was so mad and in so much pain. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if you've ever made Courtney cry. Uh, it's the worst thing imaginable. It doesn't matter. You immediately want to kill yourself. That's just how you feel. She could do something completely horribly wrong, and I fuss at her. I mean, and she very rarely does, but it went completely horribly wrong. It is her fault. And I'll say something, and she cries, and then I want to go lay out in the road and die. So I don't know how to handle that. Like, I don't know how to handle any kind of arguments because I can't, like, because naturally you guys know that my tone tends to be a little louder. She's very soft-spoken, and so it just, she does that, and her eyes get bigger, and I just can't handle it. So just what happened the other night. Anyway, it's back to the boat. So my point was, was that these guys are not, it's not like they're just out there like, like in those pictures in France, you know, when you got the guy in the music and they're just rowing and they're, I mean, they're in a storm, all right? And they've been rowing for hours, all right? They are out of breath, they're out of energy and the wind keeps blowing against them. So the harder that they fight, uh, the tireder that they get, the weaker that they're getting. So it's getting harder and harder and harder to get there. And so at some point, somebody's got to start doing the math and going, hey, we're going to die out here. All right? I, and because I think when something we just read, we don't really put ourselves in the story. We don't really understand the situation. This was a, an extremely dangerous situation. Uh, and, and they couldn't really stop rowing because as soon as they stopped rowing, then the wind was going to start pushing them farther back. And so they just had to give it all they had. And they're just out there doing their thing. Jesus is up praying and, and they're out here dying. So then that's just, that's kind of where we are. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Again, we just passed by stuff. Walking on the lake. Okay? Walking on the lake. Just for a minute, we're going to pretend that the Bible's real. We're going to get into the disciples' shoes because they haven't seen this before. See, you grew up, you grew up in Sunday school, all right, and they brainwashed you early on. You just, oh, walking on water, no big deal. That's totally normal. Not normal at all. So if you didn't grow up in church and you come in here and they're talking about, okay, walking on the water. This is not a normal thing. The disciples hadn't seen this yet. They hadn't seen anything like this yet. Does that make sense? And so as they're going up uh, to the thing, all of a sudden they, they look at it and they see Jesus walking on the water. And, and they weren't like, oh, hey, Jesus. Hey, buddy, you're, uh, you know, we're kind of struggling. You want to, no, I, I, want you to, I want you to, let's just read this together. Surely before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were, what? Terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Okay, so I want you to understand this. If there's anybody on the planet at this time that should have recognized Jesus, it's probably the guys that travel with them day and night. But you got to think, they're out here, the wind's blowing, the waves are blowing, they're tired, they're running out of energy, this is a very dangerous situation. And then right at the last second when they think there's no hope left, they turn around, all right, and there's like a ghost out on the water. So now they're thinking, now they, we really are going to die. Whatever that thing is, is probably here to take us to the netherworlds, all right? And so they're just going through this because, listen, because they don't, they don't know about the whole Jesus thing yet, all right? They don't know about the whole Jesus thing yet. You know about the Jesus thing. They don't know about the whole Jesus. All they know about Jesus is Jesus has said some pretty crazy things. He turned some water into wine. Uh, we saw him heal a sick boy, and, and he fed 5,000 people with two fish. Now, throughout the process, they probably were talking about the whole fish thing, all right? But they don't know the Jesus thing. And this is the thing I don't want you to understand. I want you, I want you to hear me, all right? I want you. They don't know the Jesus thing yet. They haven't seen Jesus get crucified. In fact, at this moment in time, Jesus is not even talking about being crucified. At this moment in time, Peter and all the disciples still think this is about a rebellion to free themselves from Rome. They're on a totally different planet than Jesus is. They don't know Jesus. They just know that, hey, this guy's pretty cool. Following him around, watching him do miracles and us getting pretty famous is a lot cooler than being fishermen. So I will follow him. We'll do the thing. So they call him teacher and they alternate between teacher and Lord, like teacher, rabbi some days. And when he does something pretty cool, okay, maybe he's the Lord. And, and they kind of go back and forth. But I, I want you just to accept this fact with me that right now in this moment, they don't have the information about Jesus that you and I have. Does that make sense? 
Now they've experienced a little bit of Jesus and they've seen a little bit of Jesus and they put a little bit of trust in Jesus and they put a little bit of faith in Jesus enough to leave their fishing business behind and go out and follow him and enough to, when he said, go get a couple loaves and a couple fish, bring it to me, I'll take care of it. They did it. So there was a little bit of trust. There was a little bit of faith. But in this moment, does that sentence signify somebody that's got faith in Jesus Christ? Because they saw him walking out and they thought it was, uh, what's the dude from Ghost? Uh, Swayze, yeah. I knew the... The 35 and older would get that. Um, so, I couldn't even remember his name. Patrick, I'm sorry, John. You answered. I'm, dude, I'm sorry, man. Listen, there's, no, there's nobody in shape like this man is right here. So, when he's 100, he'll be better shaped than most of the teenagers in the room right now. You're not old. I love you, dude. So... But, you know, they're looking out and they see this ghost just kind of coming through and they're freaking out I, 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 and they're, they're, they're screaming. And I've heard preachers, and this is my problem with some preachers who don't read the Bible and preach. They're like, and this is the power of calling out to Jesus when you're terrified. They weren't calling to Jesus. They thought this thing was going to come eat them, okay? They're not, it's not, that's not, they're not praying. They're not being spiritual. They are terrified out of their ever-loving mind. Does that make sense? Okay, this isn't a spiritual thing. These guys aren't like, okay, let's fast and pray and get this thing over here. They are convinced this thing's about to come do something crazy to them. They're freaking out. They're screaming. They don't know it's Jesus. They have come truly where? To the end of their faith in Christ right here in this moment. And then Jesus kind of steps out of the shadows. He says, but again, here's this word again. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, you scaredy cats. It is I don't be afraid. And then Peter, we give Peter such a hard time. He goes, Lord, if it's you, and I just want to throw this out there too, that Lord, if it's you, he's not questioning whether or not it's Jesus. In, in, in the Greek, he's basically saying, okay, because it's you. So he, at this point, when Jesus said it was him, he kind of believed, he believed that it was Jesus. And if you just look in that just a little bit, even some translations even would change it to say because he's not doubting whether or not that's Jesus. At this point, he's connected to the fact that this is Jesus. And so you need to really read that more of because it's you. Does that make sense? Okay, if it doesn't, I don't care. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage as I don't be afraid. And, and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water. Again, just for fun. Just put yourself in that situation. All right, just a second ago, you're dying Patrick Swayze's walking across the ocean, and now you're walking on water, okay? You're, you're walking on water. People, I, I, we criticize Peter so much about, in just a few minutes, he falls, if you don't know what's coming. He falls, and we're like, oh, Peter's such a failure. He got out of the boat, man. Like, you don't have enough faith to, like, create a quiet time in your life, and you're going to criticize Peter? He's walking on water. Peter wasn't like, I really don't have time right now to walk on water. Life's just too busy. Too many TV shows to watch. Football's coming up. You better get your praying and your Bible studying in because I know for most of y'all it's about to disappear. Right? What? Kids, summertime's over. Time's going to start disappearing. You got to go back to school. Parents, work, life. Y'all mad at me? I'm making fun of you. See, here's my point in this. Like, we don't even make time to do, like, the itty-bitty little things that are in our control. Let alone would we ever make time for something outside of our control. This is a pretty tough situation for Peter. He climbs out of the boat. He starts walking on water. And then in that moment, it says, Peter got down on the boat, walked on water, came towards Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out. Now you can preach that other message, crying out to Jesus. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, there's that word again. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Gave him a little rebuke. Says, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? So I, I want to... Uh, I want you to just think about this, this deal for a moment. And, and because right in this moment, 
uh, in, in Mark, we, we find out an interesting, an interesting statement. Um, he says that he kind of comes down to this same thing right here. And he says uh, that this happened, basically. He goes, because they did not understand the loaves and the fish, that their hearts were hardened. So, so Mark gives us a little. So we realize that, that the, and this is a situation. Taylor, you guys can go ahead and come up here. This is the situation. They're over here uh, doing the loaves thing, and Jesus is, is doing, he's breaking loaves up, and he's about to give this message, and he's about to do this miracle, and he sees something in Peter, and he sees something in these disciples. He sees that they don't, even though he's done the water and the wine, and he's done the miracles, and he's preached the messages, and he's told them who he is, they, they, he's seeing that they are, their hearts are hardened to who he really is ultimately. Does that make sense? And so when Jesus saw this, he got to where he saw the end of their faith. He got to this place where he saw, he says, okay, listen, I, I see that they believe in me this much, and I see that they trust me this much, and, but the, now they're getting to this place right here, all right, and, and they're not quite where I need them to be. And so remember the little word? He said immediately when, when he saw them getting close to the end of their faith, when he saw them getting close to that, when he saw them to that place that they were struggling on, he said immediately, he said, get out, get out there in the ocean. I'm going to go pray. This whole thing was a plan. This whole thing was on purpose. This whole thing was in order to get them out there in this situation so that he could expand their faith. Because Peter, and this is the thing that I want you to understand, Peter believed in Jesus enough to know that he could turn water into wine because he saw him do it. And he believed that, that he could manipulate a few things and do a few things, and he was powerful enough to do this. But even in this moment, and this is why Jesus said, why did you doubt? Specifically, he didn't just say, you have little faith. He didn't just rebuke him for no reason. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Specifically, Peter, why did you doubt me? And it said it. It said, because he looked out and he saw the wind. So I want you to put yourself in Peter's life. For Peter, he believed in Jesus and he trusted in Jesus to a certain extent. He believed that he could do the fish thing. And he believed that, that, that he was a little bit of who he said he was. And he believed that he was powerful enough to follow. And he believed. But in Peter's heart, in Peter's mind, that was the end of his faith. That was the end of his trust. Because he still didn't believe that Jesus was fully who he said he was. Or he would have known and he would have believed and he would have trusted that he was even more powerful than the wind. And that he was even more powerful than the storm. And he was even more powerful than the waves. But he didn't because he was at the end of his faith. He had come to this place to where he, he, he was there to where he realized or to his thing, Jesus is powerful, but he's not powerful enough. Jesus is strong, but he's not strong enough. Jesus can do some little miracles, but he can't do the big miracles. And what Jesus needed to do, Jesus needed to put him in a situation to where he could see that I am in fact king of kings and so I am definitely over the weather I'm definitely over the wind I'm definitely over the storms I'm definitely over the waves I'm definitely over this situation I'm definitely over this circumstance and from this point on you will know for an absolute fact you will trust me and your faith will be expanded in me because I put you in a situation where you had to literally jump out of a boat to go to the next level in Jesus Christ See, but all you guys say, this is the problem. And I do the same thing. We get to this place. We get to the end of our trust. We get to the end of our faith. And we don't want to talk about it. And we don't want to get into these situations. We, we get confused. And we think that because somewhere along the lines, people told us that being a Christian was going to be easy. And being a Christian was about happiness. And being a Christian was about joy. And being a, Christmas, I mean, being a Christian was just all about peace. And it was all about this stuff. When in reality, ultimately, in this life, being a Christian and following Jesus is all about our faith and trust in him expanding and us being formed into the image of Jesus. Christ so that we can be who he called us to be and do the things that he called us to do. And for you to be able to do that, you've got to get to the extent, to the end of your faith. And that's a very uncomfortable place to be in. Because here's what I believe. I believe that you are not changing the world, not because you're not called to change the world, but because somewhere along the lines, you come to the end of your trust, to the end of your faith of what Jesus can or would or willing to do in your life. And when you start to doubt what Jesus can do and what Jesus will do, then you will highly doubt the things that you can do. Because when I was 16 years old, and this is the thing I want you to understand. When I was 16 years old, I thought one way, trusted Jesus one way, acted one way, was willing to go to a certain extent. But now I'm, I'm willing to go a whole lot farther. I'm willing to go a whole lot deeper. I'm willing to make a lot more sacrifices. I'm willing to trust him with everything. It's different when I was 16. See, this is the thing about Peter. When Peter showed up, 
on the scene, he didn't even think, when Jesus was teaching immediately, he didn't even think that Jesus, uh, well, when Jesus said, hey, throw your little net out to the right. If you remember this, throw your little net out to the right. And Peter was like, okay, moron. Sure, because you just taught all these people uh, and you're standing on my boat without an invite, FYI. And uh, I ignored the fact that I just spent all morning cleaning up the boat. I'll go ahead and throw the net out for you. And then all of a sudden that was filled, overfilled with fish. But in that moment, Peter almost didn't even trust him enough to do that. But then the Peter that we see later on, he's the one standing uh, in front of, uh, the, uh, right after the Pentecost, he's the one standing there preaching to thousands and thousands of people with so much power and so much authority and so much faith that 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ right there in that moment. And eventually, this is the same Peter who, who denied his faith in Christ three times when Jesus was getting crucified. This is the guy who wound up dying for his faith in Jesus Christ. This is the thing I want you to understand is, who Peter was in Matthew chapter 1 was totally different than who he was in Acts when he died for his faith. Who I was when I was 16, I'm totally different now. And, and, and God willing, I will be 10 times different 10 years from now. And see, and this is the thing I want you to understand about your life. Ultimately, your life is not about, for the most part, it's not about the things that you think it's about. It's not about the business. It's not about your family. It's not about uh, your career. It's not about money. It's not about happiness. It's not about any of that stuff. Ultimately, your life, this life, is about you becoming and knowing to the fullest and trusting to the fullest and believing in to the fullest and putting your faith in to the fullest, Jesus Christ. And see, the re you know, a lot of you don't believe that. A lot of you don't believe that, and that's how you get sucked into religion. That's how you get sucked, and that's how you get bogged down. Because somebody convinced you it was about something else, and I'm here to tell you that is what it's about. That's all it's about. Everything else, your family is a blessing. Your kids, they're blessings. Your job, your career, they're blessings. The purpose uh, that God will do through you, that's a blessing, that's an honor. Ultimately, the thing he cares about the most is your faith in him expanding, is you growing in him. And that means that you're going to come to the end of your faith. That means that you are going to come to a place to where you don't believe anymore. That means you're going to come to a place to where you have to eventually jump out of the boat. And I want to ask you the same question that Jesus asked Peter. What is it that makes you doubt me? See, in the church, in the Christian world, we have what I, I call it the spirit of forgetfulness. It's the biggest disease in a Christian's life. Because we will see God, like, do something outside of this world on Monday, and then on Tuesday, act like we, we don't even believe in it. Peter just watched him feed 5,000 people with some loaves of bread and some few fish. And just a few hours later, he didn't even recognize it. He saw Jesus do all of that. And then right in the moment where Jesus needed him to stand strong, he denied even knowing him. Because we forget. Jesus and this is the part I want you, I want you to hear. And, I, and this morning, I want you to pray for it. Don't just believe it. I want you to pray for this. Jesus wants to put you in situations and circumstances to where the only thing you have left to do is to jump out of the boat. And I would be willing to bet that he is calling you or moving you to do a few things in your life. And you won't quite do it because you don't quite have that trust. And I'm telling you, go. Do whatever it is. Chase it. Who cares if you fail? Do you know the thing I love the most about this? It wasn't until Peter was under the waves almost that he cried out, Lord, save me. And I know this is going to hurt some of your feelings, and I know that this is going to put a bad spin on your little prosperity version of the gospel, but I want to tell you something. Jesus is perfectly content with you almost drowning if it means that your faith in him will expand. 
because Jesus knows the greatness that he's called you to and he knows the, the gaps in your life that need to be filled and he's the only one that can fill them. And so one of the things that I've started to pray recently was that no matter what it takes in my life, whatever the situation is, that God will bring me to the end of my faith so that I can go to the next level in him. That God will bring me to that next area so that I can trust him even more than I do now. See, for some of you, that next thing is, is just finances. You just don't trust God with your finances and you have to deal with that because honoring God with your finances is a real thing. Don't give your money to us. I don't care. It's not about that. God takes care of us. I have that much faith. For some of you, it's just your family, your marriage. You have not put God number one. You have not begun to honor God in your marriage because you either just don't believe or there's just not enough time or there's just, there's just this thing. You don't think that it's going to work. You've got so many habits in your life and whatever it is. Some of you guys, you need to quit. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you right now, I have felt this in my heart and I've hesitated to say this. There are some of you, God is calling you to change jobs or quit your job because he's got something better for you planned, but you're so afraid of what the financial picture might look like that you won't jump out and do it. And I'm telling you right now, this is from God. I'm telling you right now, you listen to me, you jump out of the boat, you quit the job. And it's not everybody. You jump out of the boat, you quit your job and you do what God's calling you to do and you don't look back. God will take care of you. See, some of you, you got this nine to five all-American dream set up in your life and God wants you to change the world, man. God wants you to do things outside. God wants you to give. God wants you to create. God wants you to do things that you can't even imagine. He wants you to be a part of something so great you can't even imagine. Do you think that he created this whole universe sent his son to earth to die, started the church which he promised the gates of hell won't prevail against just for the fun of it? just so that you could work a nine to five, just so that you could have a little house, just so you could have a little family, just so you could do that. He's called you for something far greater than normal. He's called you to do something. We only have one life, man. Why would you want to be like everybody else? Why would you just want to sit on the church pews like everybody else? Why do you just want to be a part of religion and go on like everybody else? Why wouldn't you in this one life that you have want to go as far in Christ as you could possibly go? No matter what you gain in this life, no matter what you get, no matter what your bank account says, no matter how high you climb on the ladder, the day that you die, it's all for naught. And the older that you get, I promise you the regrets that you have, they won't be, man, I wish I made more money, or man, I wish I had a better promotion. Your regrets will be, man, I wish I would have lived my life to the fullest. I wish I would have taken that jump when God called me to. I wish I would have stepped out and started that nonprofit. I wish I would have stepped out and and did that thing. I wish I would have stepped out and did what God called me to do instead of started being normal. I'm telling you right now, this church exists because there was a few people that said, hey, we don't want normal anymore. We want whatever it is that God wants us to go do. I'm telling you right now God is calling us to do something outside of this world amazing and it is an honor to be a part of it and my greatest fear for most of the people sitting in this room is you will sit right there on that chair and you will watch God change the world but never be a part of it there is never a moment in your life when Jesus is on a break He is always molding you, always challenging you, always changing you, always trying to get you to step outside the boat and extend your faith in him so that you can become what he's called you to be and do the things that he's called you to do. He is not on break. You are just not paying attention. telling you something right now. Y'all mark my words. You think that three weeks of prayer we just did, you think that's going to come for nothing? Let me tell you something. That three weeks of prayer we did, that's going to lay the foundation for a genuine revival in this house and in this community. I believe that with all my heart. Mark my words. You watch over the next two, three or four years. If you don't believe in us, you just hang out just to watch what God's going to do over the next 24 months, over the next three or four years. I'm telling you right now, I believe that I will put my entire stake, my entire career, my entire calling, everything I am in God. I will say that right now before all of you. You are about to be outside of your mind amazed at what God is going to use this house to do over the next five years. I promise you. 
I promise you, we're not special than anybody else. We're not better than anybody else. But we have a leadership. You've got a pastor. And we've got a people that says, we don't want to be the same. We want to do something different. We're okay if we look different. We're okay if they talk about us. All we want to do is see God do something amazing, man. we got one life. Why would you settle for normalcy? God Almighty. Why? Not why do you doubt. Why would you settle? Why wouldn't you chase God if you have an ounce of faith in Him? Why wouldn't you chase Him till the day that He took you from this world? Why? What is so important? What is so close to your heart? What is so valuable to you that you would give up an amazing life in Christ? What is it? Name it. Write it down because right now in this moment, you know it. 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 You know the fear. You know the anxiety. You know the addiction. You know the thing in your life that you're not willing to give up. You know it. It's all about faith. It's all about your trust growing in Him. It's all about that. And the more that faith expands, the more that picture opens and the more you see what God's called you to be. If Peter never would have got out of that boat, he never would have realized that Jesus wasn't just Jesus of wine. He wasn't just the Jesus of bread and fish, that he was Jesus, Lord of the earth. See, you need that revelation in your life. You need that that Jesus revelation in your life, that Jesus is the Lord of the earth. So today when we worship, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. Ask God, whatever you got to do, whatever situation you got to put me in, put me in it. I want to go. Ask God. Just ask him. Ask him. God, I'm ready to go. I don't understand it. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know what my uh, walking on water will look like. But if you will reveal it to me, I'll take that step. And just pray. And just pray and ask God to move in your life. And I promise you, he will. If you guys will stand with me. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit rest in this house, God. I pray, Lord, right now that you will move in the hearts and the minds of every single person in this room, Father. I pray, Lord, that you don't let us fall asleep in this life, God. Don't let us get distracted with the shiny things of this world, God. Let us understand that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Our faith and our trust are in you. You are the Lord of all the earth. You have put us here for a very distinct reason, a very distinct purpose, God, and we are ready to go to that next level. We are ready to do the things that you've called us to do, God. And I pray, Lord, that you will just begin to move in people's lives and move in people's people's marriages, God. Call them to that next place, God. Put them in those situations, God. Put them in that that area, that end of their faith, God, where the only thing they have left to do is to jump into your will, Father, God. I pray, Lord, right now that you would just let your spirit and your presence be with us, God. Let us worship you, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will just continue to move in this church, God, uh, more and more and more every single week that we get together, God. I pray, Father, do something so great in this house that no single man could take credit for it, God. Do something that couldn't be faked. Do something that couldn't be duplicated. Do something to where all the people around looking have to know that's got to be God. Your holy Father. Just worship Him this morning.